Ready? Yep. Hello, uh, welcome to our chemical health with me, Jen Gash. And me, Stuart Jeffrey. You, you sound more certain. That's good, because we started this, this is our second go, and now you kind of sound like you know who you are. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. Uh, our chemical health, we discuss how we can create well-being in a way that enhances the living world. And we're looking at exploring what health and care might look like in a regenerative and sustainable future. Yay! Excellent. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't remember my name. I checked my name badge <laughs> and, uh, and and it hadn't changed. So, yeah, I got it right <laughs> the second time round. Yeah. He's had, a, he's, had a, he's having a heavy, heavy couple of weeks, guys, who are you listening? <laughs> I've got to mark essays. I hate marking essays. Oh, I know, hon. I know. Well, last week was uh, last time was great, wasn't it? It was so good. It was so good. I really enjoyed Philip. Um, I really enjoyed Philip, and you, of course, um, <laughs> and what he said, <laughs> and what he said. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the recording wasn't great. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, signal. The signal has to travel a long way from Scotland down to the south of England. So, you know, mm. I'm surprised it made it all the way. Absolutely. And thankfully he wasn't in, I think, Romania or Bulgaria or something, which he might have been if we'd have done it before. <laughs> I mean, it, it is quite amazing the, the way you can you can get some fantastic um, conversations over ridiculous distances. Uh, it just never ceases to amaze me. All the wonders of the internet, Stuart. Oh, isn't it so clever? <laughs> no, but it, but, it, but it so is. <laughs> I know it is. I know you just sound like um, our mum or like Ram- an old person. Yeah, you do. Yeah, who doesn't understand technology? <laughs> oh. oh, how clever! I can talk to my sister and I can see her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. folks, I, I'm going to go and bury my head now. I've <laughs> shamed myself. That's all right. Now, I'm, while we're on a ridiculous note, we looked at, at last week, we set a sort of funny forge. Well, perhaps that's what you should call it, funny forge. It was about wibbling. So during our discussion with Philip, I talked about, you know, the idea of wibbling being quite a good state in which to um, find creative ideas, let things emerge, etc. And we asked people to go and go forth and wibble. How was your wibbling, Stu? <laughs> Uh, wibbling. So I've been um, I, I've been spending most of my week walking, pounding the streets, shoving bits of paper through letterboxes because because um, it's what I like to do as a politician. And <laughs> and and my headphones have broken. Oh. Um, so I usually listen to podcasts. So so basically, I've been walking around just trying to empty my mind and and just see what happens. So, yeah, I've done bloody out 42,000 steps worth of wibbling the other day. <laughs> That's so good. It's such a shock to the system, isn't it? Because I think we um, – something we talk about in my boredom book is that, that, you know, we fill all these spaces where we didn't used to. You know, when we're walking, we have podcasts or music on. When we're at the bus stop, we look on our phone. So suddenly, you yeah, you had the opportunity to wibble and you didn't have any choice no, I mean it's it's nice, you know. You, you know, even nothing happened creativity-wise, but you know, just the fact that I'm much more in contact with exactly what's going on around me. I'm picking up the yep. nuances, the bird song, the guy shouting over his um, fence. Oi, I want a word with you. How <laughs> dare you put that through my letterbox? You know, you, you kind of um, you kind of pick up and, and have a greater connection somehow. Oh, absolutely. Did you do the classic kind of how can you work for the Green Party and like be posting paper leaflets? Because that's what I often get, which is a ridiculous thing to say, but 
You know, I understand well, where people come from, but I, I, yeah, and no, I do have a bit of sympathy for that. But you know, the return on investment is good. Absolutely. And one thing after last week as well, towards the end of the episode, we realised that we didn't ask pretty much any of our questions. So we thought we'd kind of <laughs> go through a bit of them today and discuss them ourselves. Not all of them, just a couple. Um, but before we do that, we're going to, we've got a factoid, haven't we? We have got a factoid. So, you do, so do you, you're going to do the factoid? I'm going to do the factoid. So sticking with the theme of shrooms. <laughs> Which we did talk about a bit last week with Philip, in we, case you haven't did. listened we to it. We tried to anyway, didn't we? Hmm. So, new study says that mushrooms may be communicating more after rain. Science <laughs> nerds have been buzzing for a while about the discovery that mushrooms can communicate with each other via a network of electrical signals. We know this, you know, the mycelial network. But a new study um, listened in on a mushroom conversation and discovered... <laughs> That the fungi really start babbling after a rainfall. So, to oh, speak. so they've really I'm, I'm become really. The, yeah, I know you are. They uh, really become fungi after they've had some rain. Oh, Jen. Yes, because I thought really? it was quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I obviously read that directly from from the news thing I found, but but you know, I, I, it's it's, uh, and we know that the mycelial network is. We're, we're just just starting to mm. understand that it exists, let alone what it does. Yeah, do you um, want to explain to people? Because not everyone knows what you're talking about. Well, the, the sort of the, the, the fungal network in the soil, it allows um, trees to communicate, it fungus to plants to communicate through the soil. Um, you, you've got this concept where, you know, older trees support the growth of, of younger trees um, through sending, you know, stuff through this network. Um mm. uh, so, so you know that, that and, and they communicate. They, 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 they will send signals on various things. Um, but we don't really know much more about it, um, other than it's there and it's obviously mind blowing in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of a concept. But the idea that that the, the electrical signals increase when it rains. I mean, at one level, yeah, probably quite obvious. You know, it's like. Well, it's like when you have a drink, you know, you're going to talk a bit more. Um, oh, I was thinking about electrical signal, signals increasing when they're wet, like like why you don't throw a hairdryer in the bath. But, I mean, you know, genuinely, there's water. Well, try that at home, kids. <laughs> no, but no, do you know what I mean? It's like electricity and water don't mix, but that's because no. it amplifies the electricity, doesn't it? So it makes but, sense. Yeah, I mean, it works at so many levels, but, yeah, yeah. but, but, it, but it is a – it's just another factor of this, this – this, wondrous world that's beneath our feet that we kind of mm. know nothing about um mm. and and, and organize organisms that again we we know so little about um you know they are that they they have um you know for many of us we think we 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 know that they that they have this that their own level of con type of consciousness they are things in their own right mm. um and and therefore they you know that Understanding how they communicate with each other is, mm. you know, uh, you know, we're, we're so far off that. I mean, I'm still Absolutely. waiting for us to be able to you know, speak dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's interesting, isn't it? Because our idea of communication um, versus actually what nature does, you know, we think and we've thought for years that, oh, you know, it's unique between humans. But of course, it's not. It's just that we're looking at it in a verbal, auditory kind of way aren't we but um no it's yeah. fascinating there's been so much in the news about mushrooms in recent years um books about 
sort of yeah the mushroom networks tree networks etc and um yeah and we were going to look up a sort of a psilocybin fact but i think that um we're going to look at that in greater deal, detail in another episode i think is this there's so much to talk about there but it was in a minute we're going to look at um kind of because that was one of the things philip's been involved in is the sort of um impact of the psilocybin research and and kind of the relationship to issues that human beings need help with but also how at the moment we're tackling it in not a helpful way yeah and we did touch on on that a little bit with him and you know he talked about his acer work and so forth and you know the 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 concept that psilocybin is a naturally occurring substance in 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 mushrooms Mm. um and and you know there's good evidence that it has impacts on ptsd and depression and resistant Mm. depression and so forth um but but i think I, I I think the the thing and, and and most medicines a lot of medicines not most I, I have no idea if it's most or not a lot of medicines are sort of derived from from, from natural occurring mm. substances. Um, yeah, aspirin um, has yeah. its roots, so to speak, in in you know willow bark, digoxin, foxglove. Um, mm. Antibiotics are mm. you know. Um, are derived from uh from fungus um no, absolutely. Uh, so we, we we've kind of got this relationship with um with with the wider world where we've pulled in these substances but we we've also changed them um yeah. and and and, the, and they've become in their own right quite polluting yeah. um as well as a, a cash cow for for, for <laughs> big pharma um you know that the, the if you look at the the profits of uh, of, of pharmaceutical companies um, with their COVID vaccines, you know it's huge. Um, yep. uh, you know that they, they they've made a they've made an absolute mint out of it, uh, and and they've provided us with a good vaccine. You know, hey, mm-hmm. um, it's saved millions of lives, but you know they've they've yep. profited massively, and of course, you know we we we've obviously seen over um re- re- reports over the years uh, uh, about the for example estrogen going through mm. the sewage system into rivers and um you know affecting the fish um from, yeah. so so you know th- these things do have impacts um and and there is this real dilemma in terms of affordability for sustainable healthcare you know how much medicine should we really take um mm, mm. And, and what happens when we start taking more than i think the figure is it used to be anyway four ty- different types of medicine and and you are certain to have adverse interactions between them mm, polypharmacy um, polypharmacy yeah. absolutely mm, mm. um which isn't you know i mean i was thinking what do i take at the moment um i have a blood pressure tablet i have a um antidepressant don't mind saying that and I have a beta blocker for my migraines. So that's tier three already. And I'm 50 and, you know, I'm looking to hopefully take Hawthorne. Um, family members started taking Hawthorne for blood pressure and is seeing really good effects. But it acts in quite a different way. It's, you know, you've got to take it for three months. And I think it more stabilizes as blood pressure rather than particularly lowers it. That's as far as we can tell. But it's interesting. I mean, yeah, but I'm only... 50 you know add a few more conditions in which is likely to happen in terms of the predictions for um 
you know, multiple long-term conditions as we get older. I mean, that's the thing. You yeah. know, I think we're just starting to see that increase. Um, if that doesn't make sense, folks, you know, the prediction that we will live longer, but with uh, not so good health and with multiple conditions and disabilities is what's been predicted for years. And that's sort of one of the issues with planning long-term, especially long-term social care, because you have people living in the community a lot longer, needing a lot more support, usually living a long way from their families who even if they live locally are trying to work and raise families so you get this whole kind of um difficult to manage scenario which is one of the things we started talking about in the first place too wasn't it this you know this emerging picture um which has so many impacts in so many areas but the polypharmacy also has other problems because you get things like side effects that kick off that you wouldn't before you get things like potentially um, having more falls if certain medicines interact and that's before we look at as we said the polluting effects on the environment it's a really difficult ethical question isn't it i mean it is i mean it is a system problem um yeah you know it, it, it the, the body the effect of polypharmacy on the body the effect of polypharmacy on um, the environment and and the cost of doing this um mm. you know and, and and when i talk about cost i, I mean resources um you know because because costs are uh, money itself is is obviously a social construct but you know there are resources um of making medicines and distributing them and of course um and i was listening to a, a um nate hagen's podcast um before my headphones broke and <laughs> Uh, and and there was a fascinating chap from um uh, from America talking about the in effect the commercial determinants of health um oh, yeah. and and how drugs are advertised you know have you do you feel a bit uh, are your knees a bit sore uh, a bit sore in the mornings yeah. why don't I have, have have more Voltarol? um yeah 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 so so there's there's these pressures from the commercial world to do stuff mm. that impacts and that's i mean that's a direct commercial terms of health there are others you know um mcdonald's advertising singling out mcdonald's any fast food advertising you know is a commercial determinant of health it pushes people towards that and Mm. and that has an impact on people's health so you know we've got this huge Mm. system problem that um uh, is frankly tough to 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 try and Mm. shift the dial on no, absolutely. I was just listening to, um, I was just thinking about capitalism. I mean, you're being quite polite and calling it um, commercialism. And I'm just very aware that there might be some barking in a minute in my house. Sorry. Um, but thinking about commercialism, capitalism um, and systemic things, I was listening to history of the Soviet Union and about, you know, when the West started to sort of filter through Western ways, um, started to filter through. <laughs> so if you hear this, it's a oof. Um, started to filter through into Russia in the sort of 60s that rates of depression and alcoholism just shot up you know um, the 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 thought that we there's all this stuff we could have but we can't afford it Um, so you know it's also as well as the yeah, the systemic side of things is also the impact of kind of general capitalism and supposed wealth on 
mental well-being, mental well-being as well. It is a massive systemic thing. But anyway, we, we, we haven't even actually asked one of our first questions because... Well, we have we said, dived straight into number two. We and have dived gonna, straight into number two, but we've kind of gone off on such... Well, I was going to just sort of bring us back to the first question, um, yeah. which I was going to... We were going to ask ourselves. Um, and I think <laughs> We're you, so good you, at this, folks, aren't we? we yeah, yeah, we, we're <laughs> utterly professional here. Um, but you've you've kind of segued nicely towards it, I think, Um because what what you're talking about is is kind of purpose, isn't it? You know, wh- wh- why are, is the purpose of life to be um, to to gain more stuff, to live forever, and to be um, as rich as we can possibly be, or or is it something else? Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, all of that plays into that mental health aspect of mm. you know um, whether it's fear of missing out if you're um, unable to unable to by the latest um, Apple Watch, or, um, or, or 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 you know, have you're a missing... jacuzzi with a glass of prosecco. That's another one on Facebook. You know, it, well, yeah, no thanks. No. I don't like either. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I get the point. Um, so you know, there is this fear of missing out, and and how that impacts upon, that's and and how that's been sort of hardwired um, into our psyches, probably enhanced by the commercialism and the capitalism but but it's probably there anyway oh, think... from, from 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 evolution <laughs> oh absolutely i think that is part of human beings and nature is to progress and look for you know it's part of our creative creativity is to look for better ways of doing things different ways and it i think that you know let's you know people wanted more comfort more ease of catching food more warmth etc more safety and it's that's kind of morphed into this fomo this fear of missing out and i think we need to have a whole episode on that write that one down so um because you know it's one of the things i talk about in relation to boredom it's fascinating but you know i do think that it's kind of fast tracked over the last 20 years since smartphones there's no way that that hasn't affected things um, in terms of having the whole kind of world of choice in your pocket all day long, the whole world of possibility. Um, I think it's quite difficult to, you know, not say that that hasn't had a massive effect somehow. And I'm not anti-phone, but I do think, you know, in terms of life purpose, that's why lots of people do think it's, well, build, you know, financial stuff for my kids build as much gather as much wealth as i can have as many experiences as i can do that's why i kind of you know i hear that in a lot of people that's what life's about is to have as much fun as possible and da, da 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 and if you challenge that people get really pissed off <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and and i suppose the, the the challenge really is if it's not that what is it yep yeah absolutely I mean, I mean, I I kind of a few years ago started to think, well, actually, probably this is this is the way I answer it to myself. Actually, is um, to to have as least impact as possible on the environment, to to kind of do as many kind of good or enhancing things rather than things that take away, and to do it with a reasonable amount of humility and humour, so that it's enjoyable in that kind of way and, and that's about it really yeah no, they're, they're very very good goals aren't they and um you know all, all, all power to you 
I mean, one of the things we were going to talk to Philip about was because, um, because as we said and as he said uh, and explained, you know, he's a druid. Um, was mm. was the chosen chief, um, whatever that might mean. He basically set up and ran this um, the, the the biggest of the druid orders. Um, mm. And and one of the two, well, one the, the core sort of thing that he did, one of the core things he described was this relationship with nature. And, and I was was going to ask him about the wheel of the year, mm. um, and, and that's a sort of um, this concept of uh, of of relationship with the natural world, and how you build um, natural world, including dogs, obviously, um, and, and and how and how you sort of start to um, celebrate that the, the changing seasons that. The, the the progression in this circular progression through the year um and into the next year um mm. and it's a it's a concept i think that um uh was, was um promoted if not dreamt up by um uh, gerald gardner and um uh, and newin um uh, who newin um set, founded modern druidry for oh, okay in, in general i mean he found he he started the the, the obod stuff i think um but it, he's kind of the the 20th century initial druid i think um there were others um not to denigrate them including uh, um uh, including some famous names but he's sort of the, the core one and gerald gardner um generally i think he, he he's sort of um behind um some of the 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 the, the, the witchcraft Wicker stuff, you know, it's all sort of stemmed from him, um, mm. and and both both traditions um, and philosophies and religions or whatever you want to call them um, have this concept of the wheel of the year. So you start, mm. well, you don't start anywhere because it's a wheel; it goes round and round. But you know, <laughs> uh, but, 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 you, know you you might think um, uh, generally, uh, I think celtic cultures i think were supposed to have had um uh, the start of the year around um late autumn oh, okay halloween time which um is generally referred to as samhain spelt samhain um oh, yeah. <laughs> some... samhain i know about samhain <laughs> samhain yeah lives down the road um <laughs> so you know that's the, the i think it's uh irish um word for the end of uh, the the end of summer, I think, oh, okay. uh, or the end of last harvest, or something like that. Um, but it's it's the first of November, thirty first of October, so it coincides with Halloween and so forth, and All Hallows Day, um, and that's kind of the death point, and therefore the light, the, the birth point as well, or the the mm. initial sort of stirrings of going into um, winter. Uh, the late autumn, winter, um, you then move through the winter solstice, which is obviously solar based um and it's it's a time of reflection of quietness and mm. uh, and of gestation if you like um you come out of there and obviously it's also my birthday i just put that <laughs> if anybody ever wants to buy me a present um and um we we then come out of uh, and the, the the days start to get a little longer um and you move into imbolc um, which is around the 1st of Spring, February. Um, you've got snowdrops coming through. You've got the first signs of stuff mm. coming through, um, growing out of the soil. So the, the life is starting to be born. 
Mm. Um, Can I interject at that point? Because I I was just thinking about kind of the energy flow as well around these times. Mm. I'm sorry, did did you want to finish your kind of wheel? Shall I go around? Shall I finish? Yeah. You you go around the wheel, sorry, and I'll, I'll come back to spring in a minute if that's all right. So, so, and, and these points are roughly six weeks apart. So the next one is, well, it, it's the um, spring solstice. So the time of the equinox, the time when uh, uh, day and night are the same. And and it's, you know, broadly speaking, around the time of Easter um, or, or Easter is going to be shortly afterwards. I mean, Easter, the date for Easter is based on, um, mm. you know, the the, I think it's the first full moon after the spring equinox or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's it's quite a solar and lunar date. Um, but of course, you've got eggs associated with Easter. You've got. It's about rebirth, yeah, isn't it? It's about rebirth. Um, yeah. okay. And then you move after that. You move into Beltane um, around the first of May. Um, that's a time when everything goes bang in nature. Bang. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, it, it we're lots supposed of, to lots of up, growth. Mm. Lots of growth. Everything's going wild. It's a time of um, uh, of sex. It's a time of conception again. Um, it's and and it's kind of frolics, <laughs> and everyone's. Yeah, everyone else. And, uh, <laughs> I do. I, I would. I would say that both my children were conceived in May. <laughs> just want to not, put not that, that out. <laughs> no, not that I've experienced too much. <laughs> um, just in case my daughter's listening. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> but so, also, so, it's when you're. It's when your lawn starts going mad, isn't it? It's like oh, May. It's like every it. week. Just go. <laughs> anyway. I, I've just written about you and your lawn in my book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody lawns, I hate them. Um, yeah. But but yeah, so it's a huge time of rapid growth um, and so much energy, so much vibrancy looking forward to the to, to, to the maturing sun, summer sunshine. Um, and, and, and we move then into the summer solstice. So, you know, sun's at its peak. Um, days are the longest point, um, 22nd, 23rd, 21st of June. Yeah, my uh, husband's birthday. Your husband's <laughs> birthday, um, and you know, it, well, we, we all we all troll down to um uh, to, to to Stonehenge, Stonehenge. And, and watch the sunrise. You know, it's great fun. Um, uh, that, but it's a solar event that that celebrates this huge um uh, peak of uh, of of energy flowing into the mm. in, into the planet and into nature from the sun. Um, we then move into the first harvest, which is around first um, of August, called Lunaza. Um, some of these names differ in different traditions. I'm just giving you the druid ones. Oh, okay. Um, so Lunaza um, or, or Lammas, some you know, bread. Oh yeah, bread. Lamas, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you you kind of you're harvesting the wheat, you're chopping the wheat down. So you've got John Barleycorn being uh, killed to grind into flour to to create food. Um, that takes us into um, the autumn equinox, um, and uh, it's kind of getting a bit wet and rainy. Um, mm. it, you know, the harvest is pretty much in full flow, um, and then you move in back into Samhain um, when things Sam, really Samhain Samhain when things really <laughs> start to die. So you've got this cycle, and mm. and every year it goes round, and you know, druids celebrate each of those steps uh, mm. as, 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 as some other um, pagan um, traditions do as well. Um, mm. So you've kind of got this nice framework that I, I, I really, really love. 
Yeah, no, it's lovely. I agree. And I, I think what I was going to say was that from a well-being point of view, it feels quite, to me, quite natural that, you know, in the winter we want to sort of, you know, have some, I can't remember how they say it in Sweden, Heige, Huga, 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 isn't it? Or so, I'm Something like that, yes. But, you know, you kind of hanker down and you have warm cuddles, drinks, fires, blankets, that sort of thing. It's a real kind of, you know, in inward turning, nesting, hibernating energy. Mm. And I know that as well as, you know, that I'm, I <laughs> threw into the mix about my daughter's being conceived in May, but I also know that there's always been a... Um, so I don't know whether there's much research about it, but it was always sort of discussed in mental health how um, sort of springtime early, for me, it was always early March. You know, I had some manic episodes in my 30s and it was always early March. It was like the energy of the earth was speeding up, was wakening, and I felt really alive. Ideas were flooding in. And um, yeah, a few times that resulted in a little bit of... Um, mental distress but over the years i learned to kind of see it as part of the year's cycle for me um and actually interestingly i i kind of went the other way in the summer right whereas lots of people talk about having seasonal effectiveness disorder it's a classic example of getting low in you know november time october time when there's less light around in the day there is also um the opposite of that it's still called seasonal effectiveness disorder but like people can't cope with the the bright sunshine and the warmth and that's me i have the opposite thing it's um you know i come june i would plummet mood wise because i just couldn't you know it was just an opposite of that and what and i would start to wake up again in the autumn when it was cooler darker less less bright it, it was you know calmer um so i, I think those sort of disorders we like to call them seasonal effectiveness disorders are really interesting to look at as well as birth rates at different times of the year i mean we already know as well with you know um women's um period cycles that's tied in with the moon and um things so i think there's lots of if we start looking at natural patterns in health and well-being i think we'll find lots of things that are acknowledged but not not acknowledged in normal society and now certainly not in discussed in health systems or doctor's surgeries and things you know it's kind of evident yeah, I, I, th I think it's it, it's really interesting that, that, that these natural cycles exist but i think they're also quite helpful in understanding how they exist and yeah. working with them yep. so um you know I, I find it particularly helpful to work within frameworks and um, you know the idea of you know, not having any limits or boundaries to anything scares the hell out of me, um, and <laughs> and and I can't I can't operate unless I've got a, something that that frames what I'm doing now. And, and for me, you know, one of those things is this annual cycle that mm. um, that that goes round, but goes through time. So it, it is a um, you know, it's a bit of a helix as it goes through time. Yeah, uh, yeah. as as it is physically, um, you know, yeah. as we revolve around the the planet and the and the sun and so forth, we are physically making those helix shape helices shapes. Um, but but it does help just anchor me in the natural world, what I'm doing, and and and, and give me a, a level of stability that um, mm. I think is for me really important. 
Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, again, I'll keep sort of saying we'll come back to this, but I think that might be, again, an episode in itself for us to look at all of the kind of, um, I'm going to say disorders, illnesses, or whatever you want to say, that are clearly related to some sort of cycle in the the yearly cycle or the monthly cycle, etc. I think um, that would be really interesting to do a bit of a survey on. Perhaps that'd be a little project for us both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, from my days in um, in, in working in hospital, there was always this sense that full moons, you know, there were going to be more um, yeah. people trying to kill themselves on a full yeah. moon. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have no yeah. idea. It always seemed like that. Um, yeah. You know, and it so may be a it may be a confirmational bias thing, you know, um, yeah, psychologically it might not be a true kind of reflection. But um yeah. I think it's definitely a nice little project that we could both do. Or someone yeah. somewhere's probably already done it. There's probably I'm some sure great research we can look out. Yeah, we'll have to dig that out. Yeah, I'm just conscious of time and I can yes. see that we've got a nice little forge that you've um thought of, which yeah. is in relation to what Philip was talking about and you were talking about in Druid. I want to call it Druid yeah. culture and practice. So, you know. Yeah, so so Philip talks about this concept of Arwen, um, which is kind of the creative energy, um, and and how druids, when they do their rituals, um, we do our rituals, um, uh, chant Arwen, and 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 I and I sort of put it out there to him that you know it, it's kind of the the same as um, Om that you get in in other um, in other spiritual practices, it's and it's all yeah. about the vibration, and um, you know enhancing that vibration within within ourselves so i thought maybe um people could chant arwin um okay. and I'll, I'll give you an example of how it's done um oh, <laughs> it's, i've not done this on on a podcast before so bear with me <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna get the giggles you don't get the giggles oh that right. i will struggle to do it <laughs> okay folks now i'm just trying to not look at my brother on the camera yeah, close your eyes put your right. fingers in your ears You have to do it three times. All right. Can I get the giggles now? I thought it was going to be like much louder. I was thinking, gosh, that's quite quiet, Stuart. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know, I've got neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe next time I'll have a go. Good. When we feed back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sounds good. So I will try that over the coming week or so. And then um, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank useful... you. It's lovely to speak to you. It is. And um, it is lovely to speak to me. I know. Um, <laughs> it's lovely to speak to you too sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, listeners, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, show notes are on the website. And if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast app. And please, please, please tell your friends, family, colleagues about it too. We need to spread the word. And, um, uh, and the word is Arwen. The word is Arwen. Um, if you want to get in touch, drop us an email at alchemicalhealth, or one word, at outlook.com. We'd really love to hear from you. And um, 
farewell to next time. Amen. Good night. Good night.